Saints Church, grace and peace to every one of you. This is a very exciting day. Um, I just had chills when we were singing that last song, thinking back on mine and Matthew and Finney's ordination, and that song was uh, sang there, and so that has always had a, a very significant place in my heart when we sing, Come Gracious Spirit, Heavenly, Heavenly Dove. So... Today is, it's a very monumental day in, in a lot of ways. It's exciting because the church is stepping forward in maturity. Um, it's when we ordain deacons and leaders into the church, it truly is uh, a gift and a blessing to the church. And so this is a very exciting step as we are gathered here today as the church has has identified two brothers that we're going to lay our hands on and pray and commission them for the ministry uh, in front of them. And Brother Matthew later is going to be speaking and give some specific charges to these brothers. I'd like today to talk a little bit about the role or the function, the ministry of the deaconship. So I'm going to open up in prayer and then we'll look at some of those things. Let's pray. Father, we are so humbled and thankful that you have brought us to this point, brought us here today. We are excited, Father, to see the things that you are continuing to do in and among your people throughout the world, but especially as we think about here right now, as Brother Austin said, this little slice of the world that we're in, to be able to see the work that you are doing in the lives and the hearts of people and among the church body here. So, Father, we pray for your your spirit to come and descend upon us, to be with us, and to guide us, to give us wisdom and direct us, and to be able to uh, commission these brothers today, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The office or the role of, of deacon is, is nothing new. Um, it's, a, it's a historical thing that we find in the scriptures. One of the earliest examples um, there's a writing from Ambrose where he talks about one of the deacons in Rome. And his name is Brother Lawrence. Uh, and Lawrence was a deacon. He distributed the goods to the poor. He collected as there was need, and he would make distributions to the poor. And the prefect of that time uh, wanted, uh, they were, there was persecution coming upon the Christians. And so he was brought before the prefect who told him to bring all of the treasuries and all the treasures of the church uh, and give it over to the empire. And he was quoted as saying, the church has far greater riches than your empire has ever seen. And he requested for three days to go and collect those things and be able to bring them back. And so he went to the different churches, and it's reported, the story goes on, that he brought back to him the poor, the lame, the widow, the virgin, and said, here are the treasures of the church. Now, obviously, this infuriated the prefect, and this led to the martyrdom of Lawrence. But I hope that that is what is in your mind, especially for our brothers that are being ordained today, as you think about what this deaconship is about. The root word for deacon is just servant. Servant. That is the role and the function of a deacon. As we take this step today, as I mentioned earlier, this is a, a step for maturity for the church. Um, as we look, we're going to look at uh, Acts chapter 6 here in just a moment to see um, how this progression happens in the New Testament. And our desire here unapologetically is we want to follow the pattern of the New Testament, the patterns and the principles that we see laid forth in Scripture. And as I said, we want to do that unapologetically. And as we turn, go with me over to Acts chapter 6. Um, and if we look there, we see that the numbers are multiplying. It says that, now in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over the bus this business. 
but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then, when, uh, then the word of God spread, and the numbers of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. So as I said in the beginning, this function or this role, this leadership of, of deaconship is a gift to the church for the advancing of her mission to make disciples, to be a faithful witness for Jesus Christ, to be able to be in the world what God has intended. And so we see the number increasing, then there's needs, as numbers increase, needs increase. As the needs increase, that brings complication. As we see complaints are rising up, they're getting more than us. And, and so out of necessity, the apostles say, we need to find faithful men that can organize the people make the needed distributions so that no one is neglected and so that the church can continue her mission in this world to be the hands and feet of Christ, to be what God has intended in this world. And so we are taking that step as a church here. As many of you know, our, our numbers over the years have, have multiplied um, and it hasn't been without challenge and issue and organizational things and things falling through the cracks and and we're at that point where the church has decided they have their voice has been heard as they have identified two faithful brothers that are going to be appointed into this position the solution is to establish servants from within the church to be servants of the church I don't know if you caught the difference there. There's, we are all called in Christ to be servants in the church. That's, that's what a Christian is to do. We are to serve those around us, just like our, our master. But the, but the deaconship is specifically becoming servants of the church, choosing from among us servants within to become servants of the church and to deploy their giftings in that ministry. And as they do that, as we see here in Acts chapter 6, the benefit is that it allows the other ordained individuals to focus in the areas that they have been gifted, in the areas that they have been ordained and called to, so that the ministry of the word can continue boldly and expand. And so that is the hope as we are taking this step in maturity as a church, is that as we bring these brothers into this deaconship that it's going to allow the church to to fully operate more or to more fully operate um, and continue the work that has already begun here <clears throat> now the servants of the church being the deacons should also have at their disposal servants within the church. We can't look to these brothers and just throw everything on their shoulders and expect them to, to fix any, any problems. We should be willing to offer up ourselves in service to them so that they can dedicate the things that they need to, to, see, this, uh, to see the church needs being met, whatever those needs may be. So I hope that, that we as a, as a church body and our various congregations can, can offer up our hands and our feet and our service to these brothers as they look to fulfill their duty and their calling that, that we as a church are commissioning them here today for. Deacons, rightly deploy, deployed, can double the ministry of the church. Deacons rightly deployed can double the ministry of the church, as we see here in Acts. If we truly believe that the biblical, the New Testament pattern is one to be followed, then we should believe this truth, that as we lay hands on these brothers, this should enable the church to, be, to engage herself more fully and to see more sons and daughters come into the kingdom. 
so it should enable evangelism and further the reach of the church as these brothers bring structure and order to the people. Now the important piece within this for, uh, for Brother Joe and for Brother Clark is to, to recognize that the deaconship is not about having a title. It's not about getting a badge that all of a, all of a sudden establishes you as a big person. Uh, or of someone of major importance. We have to remember that the name in and of itself is one that should be humbling. It's a servant. And it is a place within the church. It is a, a role of leadership within the church. But deacons should model, they should be model servants who excel in being attentive and responding to the needs of the church. So true deacons should be those who are excelling as model servants for the rest of us and be attentive to those needs, having their, their finger on the pulse of what's going on, who's in need, and how can we meet those needs, and how can we organize the people to be able to meet those needs. It's a great calling that is before them. So I want to outline four roles, four areas of the deaconship for these brothers. Scripture tells us to remember the poor, but what does that actually mean? Well, the first thing is to identify and meet tangible needs within the body and outside the body. That is one of the first roles and functions that we see biblically for the deacons to be able to identify and meet tangible needs where they come across them to organize the people, to organize the resources, and to then be able to deploy those in a manner that is, uh, creates equity across all lines. Number two, hold the ministry of the faith. As, Timothy, or as Paul tells Timothy that deacons are to hold the ministry of the faith. Now this is different. If we look at the qualifications for deacons and elders, they're very similar, but in also in the same manner, they're also different. There are different qualifications for an elder, and it's an important thing for us to understand that deacons are not junior bishops. Uh, deacons are not uh, necessarily bishops in training. It, they can definitely, as, they, as their ministry grows and they flourish and they, they develop into, fully into that ministry, they can, they can, uh, it can cause them to become eligible for, uh, as a bishop. Um, but it is not a, to be viewed as a stepping stone into that position. They are two very different giftings, two very different callings, and they both have a different function in how they are used in the church. And so deacons are to hold the mystery of the faith. So they are to keep and advance the unity of the church. That's what it means to hold the mystery of the faith. They're keeping that which Christ has entrusted to the church. And the church is entrusting that to the deacons to hold that. And to be those who are continuing to promote and advance unity within the church and to propel everyone towards that single vision of seeing Christ formed in each and every one of us. Number three is to support the ministry of the, the apostles and elders or bishops. Obviously at this point we have not reached that next level or that next step of maturity. We are continuing to, to move and grow in that direction to have bishops uh, ordained, but in the interim, their role is to support the work of the apostles. As we saw in Acts chapter 6, numbers are growing, problems are increasing, find men full of the Holy Spirit, ordain them, place them over this so that they can meet these needs, so that everyone can, can, um, can all the needs can be met, so that the work of the church planters, the work of the apostles can continue to grow, they can dedicate themselves to the ministry of prayer and to the word. And so the role of the deacon should allow that 
to be a focus as we bring more um, people into, more brothers into the leadership here at Followers of the Way. And number four, it's a call to be humble and to love. It's a call to be humble and to love. In God's economy, love is the currency. I think we all know that at varying levels, but what does that actually mean? Well, it's just like the story of Lawrence at the beginning. When, when, the, when the Roman Empire wanted the treasuries of the church, what did they want? They want what corrupted men want from greed, right? They want money and possessions and land and, and, and uh, entitlement and all those things. But Lawrence understood what the true tre- treasures of the church are. The poor, the sick, the hungry, the crippled, the widow, the orphan. And so God's economy runs on love. Now we can take... Lawrence understood we can take the goods of this world and we can exchange them into a currency that's used in God's kingdom. We can take the money and the land and the riches and the wealth and all those things and we can distribute them in a way that allows God's economy to grow. And that's the role that these brothers will be playing as deacons. They will be that It'll be a blessed calling to be the conduit by which the gifts of the church can be deployed to those in need and thereby be converted into the currency of God's kingdom. So, number one, identify and meet tangible needs within the body as well as outside. Hold the mystery of faith. Keep and advance the unity of the church. Support the ministry of the other leaders, church planters and elders. And fourth, a call to be humble and to love. Ultimately, it's a call to follow Jesus. Scripture tells us that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. He came to be a deacon. And to give him his life a ransom for many. And that's the calling for our brothers as we think about this deaconate in our fellowship. It's a call to be Christ to the church. And to be servants of the church. And I hope that we can keep in our focus and our mind Jesus as the suffering servant that we see in Isaiah. I'm sure Lawrence had that in full view as he was thinking and going to his death as a result of defying the emperor, defying the prefect of his day, remembering Jesus as the suffering servant and that that's what our brothers are being called to today as we ordain them into this ministry. I'll turn the time over to Brother Matthew. Well, like, like Charlton, I, uh, I am really, really excited for this day. Um, so we, we, we came here, as most of you know, in 2013, and this event of ordaining deacons has been on my horizon since then. Like, there's a, there's a, there's a hurdle I want to see the church come to and come over in maturing and growing and stabilizing that is this meeting right here 
today. And so it's really, uh, I'm very honored to, to think back of what God's done to bring us from that point to this point and, and to, you know, to see all of your faces and to know the experiences I've had with Joe and with Clark and how the church has brought us through this, this, this growth period um, and, and brought us all to this place in this room. I, um, I want to speak to Joe and to Clark with all of you here. You know, when I, I looked up some of the, some of the um, precedent, you know, in the, in the early church for how deacons were ordained and the way people were talking about that. And one of the things that in ordinations in the early church, one of the things that gets said several times is that do this in front of all the people. It's important that this doesn't, this isn't the kind of thing that happens behind closed doors. This isn't, you know, the elevation. This isn't like a promotion at your business where you go into the boss's office and he says, hey, we like what you've been doing. We want to move you into a different position. This is, this is our family, our church, calling our brothers to this ministry. And so I'm going to speak about this role and about what we're asking as a church from these brothers and their families with all of you as witnesses. So, <clears throat> so bear with me in that light. The place I want to start is talking about how Jesus teaches us to value service. And Obviously, the, he, he, he perfectly encapsulates this at the Last Supper. When he girds himself with a linen and washes the disciples' feet. And we know that this is, this is the domain of a household slave. This is what the lowest position in the house does. As the guests come, the slave is there to meet them and to wash their feet so that they can be in the house clean. And Jesus does this lowly act. And so we have one of these beautiful Christian paradoxes where our highest value, our highest ideal, the Logos, Jesus himself, does the lowest, most menial task possible. And Jesus is ex excellent at doing this. He wants, to, he, wants to, he wants to conflict with our notions. He wants to challenge our presets. The things that we value highly are despised of God, and the things that men despise, God highly values. And so he uses Jesus in this story, in this narrative, to, to throw all of that into contrast, to throw all of it into conflict, to say, and he, set, he, he doesn't just do that, as an example, he talks about it and he says, if I, being your Lord and master, have washed your feet, so ought you to wash one another's feet. Nobody gets out of service. And as we have a deacon ordination here, um, I'm going to say to all the church, nobody gets out of service. We're all servants in the church. We're recognizing some, some conspicuous servants among us, and we're giving them some jobs to do. But service is a Christian ethic. And all of us are called to be servants in the church. And we're going to ordain a couple of brothers to lead the way and to show us how to do it. That's the goal. So our values get contrasted by, the, by this example, and we learn that that the lowest thing that gets done has the highest value. And I want to bring that, that understanding, that intentionality, into how we think about the ministries in the church, and especially how we think about our deacons. That those that we're calling on to do the, let's just be frank, the not glorious tasks, the emails to First Baptist to make sure that this place is set up, and all the stuff to make sure that our meetings work right. And you all come to a meeting, and there's a lot of, I know, there's a lot of pieces going on in the background. Our brothers are, like, there's a little, like, there's a little team of things that has to be done to make all this happen so we can show up at a meeting with our children and sit and sing and have chairs and have a meeting and things can go forward and be blessed. All of that doesn't happen on its own, you know. And so, so that, like, 
that supervising that kind of work, taking care of that logistics, making sure that, that needs are being met in the church, not just for the whole church, but for individuals. All of that is the low, menial tasks of the church, and we want to highly value them, right? We're doing the same thing. We're, we're supposed to be doing as a church what Jesus was teaching us to do when he put that towel on and washed his disciples' feet. So we're making a, a special, we're marking a special occasion as a people together. And we've come to this place to lay hands on brothers and to value their work of service. To say, this is highly esteemed among us. This is an important thing to us. And we want it to be known. We cherish servanthood. We honor lowliness. And we esteem our servants. That's what we're doing here today. The honoring of servants is also connected to our evaluation of the poor and the needy. As Charlton already mentioned, the first deacons came specifically for the cause of ensuring equity in the church with the most needy of her members. It's a, it's, a, it's a symptom of the world that the, the needy and the poor are neglected and put to the side. We don't want to see them. And it's a function of the church to reverse that trend. To do the opposite. To say that we want to see the poor. We don't want them out of sight and out of mind. We don't want to ignore them. We don't want to pretend like they don't exist. We don't want to step past those needs. So the first deacons come about when the, the poorest and the neediest of the church are having their needs not met. And, it's a, and it, it causes problems for the church, for the first church. One of their first big issues to solve is how do we create equity among the poorest and the neediest among us? And the resolution to that dilemma is for the apostles to say, choose out from among you men who are holy and men who are faithful. And the result, when that priority structure is put properly in place, is also described at the end of that passage that, that, that Charlton read. That the word of God was increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem. And I would like to say that keeping the church's priorities straight is, 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 is the main necessity that we have as a people in order for the word of God to grow, in order for the disciples to multiply. We have to be that contrast to the world's system and order. This has to be the society of Jesus. This has to be the new humanity. In all of our interactions and in how we deal with one another and how we care for one another and how I deal with myself and how I put myself lower than others, how we deal with conflict resolution, how we care for one another's needs more importantly than our own, and how we look to the needs of the poor. When that's the opposite of everything that happens around us. And the calling forth of deacons is, is a statement about who and what we are that we find these needs so important and we, we know that we have to enumerate them. We have to deal with them. We can't ignore them. And so we're going to take men, important men, men who are faithful, men who are recognized, men with skills and abilities, and we're going to say, hey, we need you to make sure that this gets done. This is a priority scheme in the church that we're saying these things, the needs of the poor, the needs of the church, they must be done. And so we're going to set our 
hands on you and say, do this. Make sure this doesn't get missed. It's like when, when, when Paul comes back to the Jerusalem council, right? When he meets with the apostles, they, the, one of the things they tell him, one of the first things out of their mouth is, don't forget to care for the needs of the poor, which thing we always did. It's been a priority since people were called Christians that the poor have their needs met. It's, it's who we are. It's not what we do. It's who we are. And all of this is tied to who Jesus was. Who came poor and rejected and despised. The stone that the builders rejected. The one that no, no, no comeliness or beauty that we should, we should desire him. He was something else, and he set the precedent for what we find valuable. And we mark that by ordaining deacons. <clears throat> Let me ask you, church, are we rich? I mean, when I think about our potential, when I think about what it means to be rich, when I think about the way that term is used in the Bible, when I think about the rich young ruler, I see me and I see us. I think that we're people that produce and consume more than we need. And the question to us today, as we ordain men whose job it is to see needs, is how are we committed to that ministry? I'll tell you something that is very important to me. I don't think that there's ever been a need that we've put out to the church that has gone unmet. Every time the church says, hey, here's a need, can you all pitch in? That within sometimes minutes or hours, those needs get met. And I'm blessed and I'm honored and I'm proud to be a part of a people who don't shirk back from needs. But I think that for me, the calling forth of deacons is a calling forth of the church to remember our job, our collective obligation to the world around us, to one another first and to the world around us, to say, we, if, if we are rich, if that term accurately applies to us, and I think it does, if that means that we produce and consume more than our needs dictate, then that also means that we have obligations to the world around us. And we need to remember that obligation and be faithful to that obligation. And I, you know, the temptation whenever you talk about those things is to say, well, you know, whoa, whoa, whoa. come on, Matthew, I'm a poor college kid, I don't got nothing. We had that Afghani family over my house last night. They got nothing. They got 14 people holed up in a couple of hotel rooms after moving out of a military camp for the last several months. That's nothing. And it's our job. It's who we are. When we're presented with those things, when they're in front of us, to meet needs. And that's why we need deacons. Sometimes when I when I think about when I think about the judgment, I um, when I was young. There was a famous book and a movie, most of you probably are familiar with it, Schindler's List. If in the movie Schindler's List, there's a scene at the end 
when he's, you know, he's saved all these Jews in his factory. He paid for them out of his own resources, and he's, the, the war's over, and he's looking at his golden ring, and he says, I could, what could I have done with this? And that's emblematic of the judgment, because I'm afraid of, of our possessions. I'm afraid of what we have. I'm afraid of what we consume. I'm afraid that at the end, we're going to realize what those things, what their real value was, not the comfort or the ease that they bought in our life, not the, not the, not the prosperity that we had access to, not the, not the luxury and ease of our lives, but that these things could have been used for something eternal, and they just got used for stuff. And I want, to, I want to ordain deacons today with, a, with an intention that it invigorates our care and concern for the poor. That we take it as an ordination for the whole church to remember our ministries, to remember our purpose, to remember what we have and what we should be doing with it. And it ought to be so much that we have a couple of men whose job is just to make sure it gets done well. I want to invigorate our love for equity in the poor. So the reasons we're here today and the charge that we're giving as a church to these brothers is number one, that we love the poor so much that we want to charge someone to know and to meet their needs. That applies to our own people and those without. Number two, because of the growth of the church and because we want to continue to grow, we need people tasked with and responsible for the details and logistics of church life. We need people organizing and, and caring for those things so they don't get left undone. So that, we're, so that we can be an organized people. So that we can have an organized religious life. So that our meetings can flow. So that our communication can work. So that the things that need to be done within a community, a big community, and our community of communities happens smoothly. Let me speak to that issue a little bit. I have, um, I have a saying, and you've maybe heard me say it. When something is haphazardly thrown together, we don't know who's responsible, I say, that's the followers of the way way. Because for a long time it has been that everybody just doing their part and nobody knowing who's really to, to be responsible for something. Did the meeting get scheduled? Are there somebody showing up for the chairs? Where are the songbooks? Who's doing the thing? What's happening with the thing? All of that just is, has been, for the last many years, people pitching in and praise God. It's been good. It's like a family. We just, everybody does their thing. But we're pa we need to be past that. We're, we're, we're so many people now that we need more organization. And I want, I want the followers of the way way to be organized and to function properly, and to work well, and to know who to call, and who's doing the thing, and who's responsible for what. And the brothers that we've, we're calling on, I think, will be very good at that. It's a sign of maturity as a group of people, like Charlton said. It's a, it's a sign that the church is growing, and that God's blessing our work, and our ministries, and it's time to move forward. It's time to Put away those haphazard ways and be much more organized and efficient in the way that we do things. A third reason and a third charge is that <clears throat> we need role models for our young men and our young women. For the young men and the young women in my house, I want them to have, I want them to have ministers in the church to look up to and to know that's, how, that's what's valued among our people. That's what's important to us. I want there to be examples of how to be a Christian family who ministers. Let's, let's, let's turn to 1 Timothy. 
and look at this in detail as a part of our charge about how to be about having role models in the church. In chapter 3 of 1 Timothy in verse <clears throat> 8. Likewise must the deacons be grave. That means serious. It's serious work, brothers. Not double-tongued. In this, in this charge, in this list of requirements, both to the women and the men, the way you use your tongue, you brothers and your wives, the way you use your tongue is very important for your ministry. You need to be careful with your speech because people are looking and watching at what you say and what you do. You're, you're a role model for the church and it's important that you do that judiciously and circumspectly. Use your tongue carefully. Not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre. It's going to cost you, there's an enterprise cost. You're, you're going to have less potential in other pursuits because of your work for the church. Holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. Your conscience has to remain clear. And there are tools within the church to do that. Confess your faults. Be, be, be the most aggressive with the way that you confess in your agape. Show an example of what it means to keep and to maintain a, a, a pure conscience that's not spotted. It says in these requirements, and let these also first be proved and let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. We're saying that we have proved these brothers. We know their lives. They've lived among us. We've watched them. We've, we've, we've counseled with them. We've prayed with them. We've seen how they grow. I've seen how they grow. I haven't been in, in, in close community with Clark and Alyssa as much as I have with Joe and Rosine, but I remember Joe and Rosine moving into a fifth wheel in the driveway at Oakland. Fresh off the boat, Eastern kids. And I've watched them prioritize the kingdom of God. I've watched them make hard decisions and work through hard things in their life to, to put the kingdom of God first, to put their place in the church first, to put truth first. And so I think we can say that they're proven. Clark and Alyssa have distinguished themselves in their communities, and they've been in a lot of them, bless God. They've been in a lot of communities, and in every place they've showed themselves to be of the most value. We were talking in, our, uh, in a meeting recently about church growth and how things are going to move and how things are going to ch change potentially, and um, nobody get excited. It was just a conversation. And one of the things that Zach said in that meeting is, if anybody tries to take Clark away, I will show up at their house. He's not going anywhere. They've proven their value to the people that are close to them. And that's an important part of this process, and it's why they've been chosen. Even so must their wives be grave. Not slanderers. There's that tongue again and how important it is for you sisters to be careful with your tongues. To be sober and faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon, well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. 
it's a requirement for you brothers that you rule your children and your own house as well. And it's a part of the charge from your church to both of your families that you don't neglect your family for anything. That that priority remains firmly in place. We're not asking you to harm your family to help the church. And I know that that's a complicated analysis sometimes. As a man who's worked in the church for many, many years, I know that it's a complicated thing to figure out where and when you should yield your time to the church and your family. And you need wisdom, and you need prayer, and you need cooperation and collaboration in your marriage and your home, and you need, but here's what I will say. One thing that I've learned about that is that learning to minister as families is the most important skill. Like, make your family a part of your ministry. It's not something, in most cases, it's not something that you do, like, in the office alone. It's something you do with your family. That's what we need. We need you to be ministering families together. And we need that priority to stay right. And lastly, according to that blessing at the end of that list of requirements, they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And the last part of the reason why we're doing this and the charge that we give is that we as a church want to open up our storehouse. We want to pledge our possessions, our prayers, our passions, and our purpose to the kingdom again, afresh, anew. And we want you brothers to be custodians of those things. And because we trust you to do that, we also believe that the storehouses of heaven are opened. And that 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 we can write a check in, in, in spiritual resource that says that if you do this well, you can be promised boldness and that you purchased yourself a good degree in the kingdom. There's two more things I want to say, and these are very specific. I, I have, since we have talked about this ordination for some time now, and since we have known that Clark and Joe would be our deacons for some time now, I have made it a matter of prayer, and I've asked God to help me give a specific charge to you brothers. Clark. I'm going to read you Galatians chapter 6, the first 10 verses. It says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that also shall he reap. For he that soweth to, the to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us, brother, not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them of the household of faith. I feel like those words are, should be 
a part of your ministry and your calling in your deaconate. That your skill and usefulness as a minister of the word, as a minister of reconciliation, of making peace between people, being a peacemaker in general, of restoring those who are weak, that that long hard work It requires the faith to know that what you put in will come out. With the same faith that a farmer puts his seed in the ground and says, if I water it and if the sun shines, there will be fruit, that you can have confidence, the same kind of confidence that the work of your ministry will produce fruit. But that that work is long and it causes many to grow weary. And you need to be strengthened in the Lord in the days to come for the ministry that God has for you. Don't be weary. When you feel that temptation and when you feel that pull, renew yourself in the Lord and in his spirit so you can stay faithful to your task. Flip with me to Philippians. Chapter 2, Joe, as I, as I came up here today, as I was preparing, I thought about all the times that we've spent in my office and sharing with one another and praying together and the love that I have for you and for your family and how grateful I am for the time that we've been able to spend together. And I'm I'm looking forward to our work together in the church. Cyprian said one time, he said, a man cannot have the ordination of the church if he does not hold the unity of the church. And I'm going to charge you specifically to take your task and responsibility to unite and unify the church. Very, very important. Philippians chapter 2 says this, If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant And was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient in death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and in things on earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. I want that mind to be in you too, brother, and I know that that's your desire as well. And I want to remind you on this auspicious day to plant those words deep in your heart and in your ministry, that you would have the mind of Christ as you work for the church. I'm going to have Finney come forward and Charlton. We're going to to come up here on the stage and we're going to ask Joe and Rosine and Clark and Alyssa if you need help with your babies or need to bring them along, whatever, do what you got to do, bring them, and we'll have you guys kneel here and we'll pray for you. I'm going to have Finney lead that time. So take whatever time you need and come forward. Amen. All right. So we'll have you kneel here and then um, I'll lead us out in prayer. Charlton and then Matthew will, will close us out.
And I invite all of you to pray here together with us on this, um, on this beautiful occasion. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this glorious occasion where we can stand here in the, the long, uh, long-standing pattern of centuries and centuries of those who have gone before us mm-hmm. building your church brick by brick, stone by stone, advancing the kingdom mightily. We are here praying eschatologically, come Lord Jesus through this event, mm-hmm. that we would have a, uh, a contribution, a beautiful part of this, this building that we are, we are a small part of here. We lift up here our brother Clark, our sister Alyssa, our sister Rosine, and our brother Joe. I pray, Father, for each of them that you would give them a new empowering to be incredible examples of servanthood, of servant leadership, of following in the tradition of our, our diakonos, Jesus, the one who has shown us that it is the path of service that leads to life. We pray in Jesus' name that this would be, as we see in Acts, the, the transition from adding to multiplying, that every time in, in Acts before... In, uh, the deacons are inaugurated, disciples are added, but here in Acts 6, it says that they are multiplied. Mm-hmm. And we pray that this would indeed be the case. And similarly, as it says there in Acts 6, that even a great number of priests were added mm-hmm. to the number. We, we pray that, that even difficult examples of people who are far from the gospel will be brought in through the unity that is forged by our dear brothers and sisters here on the stage. So we, we are excited to, uh, to present them before you and before the church and ask for the spirit of empowerment to be upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Father, we, we come before you now, Lord, so humbled and thankful for the work that you are doing in, with, and through your church. And Father, we just ask that you would bless Brother Clark Sister Alyssa, in the ministry that they are is being entrusted to them as they take on this deaconship, as, as has already been prayed and shared, that this would be something that continues to multiply the work of the church, that it enables us as a body to be able to, to go forth and serve the world around us. And so, Father, I just pray that you would bless them as a family, as a husband, as a wife, and that as they receive this gift that they can deploy it in a manner that is worthy and pleasing in your sight, Father. Mm-hmm. Father, I, I want to lift up Brother Joe and Rosine in the ministry that is being entrusted into them through this deaconship, Father. As they have grown over the years, as they, as they have shown themselves faithful and wise that you would just continue to expand uh, their ministry, continue to, to bless them and grant them every grace that is needed to fulfill this calling that they are being called to by your church. Father, we, we want to thank you that you have given us a pattern to follow. You've given us all the things that we need for life and godliness and that this would continue to allow us to be each to be spiritual stones being built up one upon another to dwell the dwelling place of the lord and that this can be made evident through this ordination today come lord jesus amen heavenly father we recognize these brothers and sisters in front of me here for their service, for their gifts, for their zeal for the kingdom, and we just want to consecrate them for your use. We've marked them as servants among us, and we find that to be a high mark and a high call. Mm -hmm. We pray, Father, that you would honor their work and that you would equip them I pray that you give them everything that they need in patience, in grace, in gifting, in boldness and power in the Holy Ghost mm-hmm. to be exactly what they need to be for their calling. Mm-hmm. 
Father, I pray for Joe and Rosine specifically that you would bless their home, that you would give them special insight in how to be a Christian family, that you would answer questions, that you'd make them wiser than their teachers. Amen. That you would use that output of their home and their grace to serve the church and the work that you have for them. Father, as I lay hands on my brother Clark and sister Alyssa, I pray that you would bless them, that you would likewise give them all the grace and the power that they need. I pray that you would refine their gifts and that you would sharpen them to be exactly everything that they need. That they would, that all the promises of Christ are yea and amen. Yeah. Father, we know that they have everything that you need that you're calling on them to exercise. I pray that you give them patience and strength in their ministry. And I pray that you'd use them to build the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Father, we thank you so much for honoring us with a new way to see the world, a new way to understand what you're trying to do with your people. We, we bless you, Father. We bless your church. And we're so grateful for this opportunity for us as a people. We ask for your blessing to be on everything that we've done here today. That you would confirm the work that the church sees. Mm -hmm. That your spirit would pour out upon these four. And that they would, be, they would find themselves uh, prospering in the ministry that you have. Jesus' name.